Hey, welcome to Night School episode 100, and I guess it's only fitting that it would be a mobile episode, a mobile, a mobile one. I'm feeling really good right now, and not, not unnaturally good, which is even better. Just good in a simple way, and I even I second-guessed whether I should start recording or not, because I was like, maybe I should just enjoy this walk. But I think the idea of doing this kind of fits in with my mentality today uh, for a number of reasons. But, you know, as much as I have this attitude of, oh, when, when I'm witnessing something beautiful or when I feel good, commenting on it or acknowledging it takes away from that. I don't think that's always true. I think that's kind of a superstitious view that I sometimes hold. Similar to, you know, the attitude about like, you know, Just weird little phenomena, synchronicities. Sometimes I feel like, oh, if I talk about them, that somehow takes away the magic. But I feel like that's like a pointlessly... Pointlessly harsh sometimes. And I think, you know, depending on your intentions, depending on what's going on, I mean, I think it's totally fine. I think it's totally fine to feel good and mention it, feel good and talk about it. Uh, And... I don't know what it is exactly. You know, it's it's one of those things where when you feel good in a simple way, it's like Tony Soprano uh, said to his daughter, like (laughs) the great poet and philosopher Tony Soprano said to his daughter Meadow, whose name brings to mind uh, the poems of, I don't know, of whoever, the poems of whoever, because everybody's written about meadows. <laughs> but as Tony said to his daughter, he's like, you know, appreciating the little things, the small moments. And, you know, much of The Sopranos was really about that. You know, despite all of the big beats of the story, the big beats of the series, a lot of what I appreciate about The Sopranos, a lot of what other people appreciate about The Sopranos, is the just the small details, the little dynamics, uh, the way the characters communicate, the little details uh, that aren't, you know, I don't know, that you don't read too far into, you just kind of enjoy. I think that's why I'm feeling good, and, you know, what better reason to do episode 100 than simply feeling good? Uh, That sounds good to me. Just saying that sounds good. You know, because sometimes, you know, my desire to do this show comes from a place of complaint, neuroticism, a desire to be entertaining. Maybe I thought about something that entertained me, so putting it to words feels good. Whatever it is. Uh, But I I don't often do these when I'm, you know, simply in a good mood. And uh, I'm not just going to sit here and talk about that. I'm not going to sit here and just talk about how good I feel. I think the big reason I don't do that more often is because that's not interesting to me to do. And I generally don't like things that do that, where it's just all elated, all, uh, you know, these upbeats. But uh, something I was thinking about earlier that actually tied into something I was thinking about last night was uh, I was looking at a painting of uh, Cesare Borgia of the infamous Borgia family, uh, Italian nobles way back when. And I was looking at a painting, and I was thinking, oh, you know, there was a point in time where the only way your likeness would be communicated to, you know, the future of the world was if somebody was able to paint you, if somebody was able to make a painting. 
and how uh, that was something only reserved for nobles, wealthy people, royalty, to have your likeness depicted that way. And I was thinking about all the people whose likenesses we're com- we are completely unaware of, most people. We have no idea what most people looked like because photographs weren't invented and we only painted really important people. And then, you know, that played into like, I was thinking about selfies and that whole idea. And, you know, I have talked recently about my defense of the word. How as much as I don't like the word selfie, it kind of just, you know, it, it, it became part of the grain. It became part of the language. And uh, in, in accepting the language of, of selfie, it also made me accept that it's something people do. And it's not something to judge. And, and or, you know, you're, it's not something to use as an excuse to hold people in contempt. You know, it's just because that's, it's so easy to do that. And I do it all the time for all kinds of reasons. All kinds of petty reasons, all kind of, all kinds of important reasons too. It's just, it's very easy to do. And so, you know, my attitude toward, you know, that sort of digital glibness has changed, you know, and, and not that I've ever been opposed to people expressing themselves in, in these digital mediums, but, you know, I, I've become a, a lot more open to the different ways in which people do it. And then today, so I had that all on my mind, and then today I saw a news headline, you know, some poll, you know, in the news, they, they already, you know... <laughs> The news, they have such, uh, you know, important information to share, and this is a great example. And they were like, a study shows that most people, like, hate selfies. And they see people who post a lot of selfies as blah, 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 and they don't like it, and they see it as unattractive, and basically a character flaw. And I was thinking about that, you know, I, I really thought about that, you know, in relation to that, you know, painting of the noble boy. Cesare Borgia, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, there was a point in time where people's faces, a representation of someone's face, would first of all never be done. Nobody would ever paint a picture of the average person, you know, in most cases, and their likeness would be completely forgotten to time, and even with the invention of the camera, you know, you had to be a wealthy person to have your photo taken. And even after cameras became more widely available to the average person, you still had to have money to get a camera. So the idea of having a photographic representation of your face was a luxury even after cameras developed, and over time it's become less so. You know, most people can afford, in recent decades, have been able to afford a camera and take some pictures of themselves, pictures of people. Uh, And it's only recently, though, that the average person can really readily capture themselves, capture their reality, what they look like, good or bad, everything in between, happy or sad, everything in between. It's a very recent development that the average person, you know, of any class, any income level, can take a photo of themselves. And if you can afford to have a phone, you can do it. And uh, phones are very accessible these days. A lot of people have them. You even see a lot of homeless people who have them. And the idea of, you know, a homeless person having their uh, their likeness painted hundreds of years ago was almost unheard of. 
if not completely unheard of. You know, maybe some artist, you know, who was painting like a scene of the streets happened to capture somebody, but the idea of sitting down for a portrait was pretty much an impossibility at a certain point in time. But now we're in this age where anybody can truly take a photo of themselves and the idea of the selfie, you know, even though all sorts of people do it, it's become kind of associated with people who lack self-awareness. It's seen as narcissistic at best, but it's also seen as kind of trashy, where a lot, single moms have been blamed for just sitting there taking a lot of selfies, that kind of idea. Which is really an unnecessary attack on single moms to begin with. But it gave me the thought where I was like, you know, we're in this day and age when these women who their lives are probably difficult and it doesn't have to be a single mom it doesn't have to be a woman but somebody whose life is you know difficult to some degree who lives in a reality that you are continually questioning because i think most people are doing that at this point i think most people are really questioning the nature of reality especially people who you know drive loud cars that's their way of, you know, reminding themselves that they are part of reality. I mean, I'd prefer it if they took a selfie uh, rather than hit the throttle. But anyway, you know, people all do things their own way. Um, but yeah, the idea of, you know, you're taking a photo of yourself and you're seeing yourself. You're seeing your, a representation of yourself in the world. And maybe it's vain. Maybe, maybe there's something, you know, not entirely you know, spiritually sound about taking a bunch of photos of yourself. But again, who's to say? I think that gets into this idea where it's very easy to needlessly torture yourself because you're continually questioning everything you do. Like, should I take a photo? Should I live in the moment? Should I do this? You know, and, and I find myself doing that all the time. And that alone is a luxury. You know, if you're able to question your behavior and you have the ability to control it, that is truly a luxury that some people don't have. And whether they, they could obtain that if they just thought a little bit differently or not, you know, yeah, sure. But still, the idea of like even being able to question that. And so you have, you know, these single women who, single moms who take photos of themselves and the idea of the selfies kind of become associated with that. And it's become associated with, with kind of a, Jesus, everybody's fucking doing this. I was so happy until all these loud fucking vehicles came out. Now I'm not happy. It's no longer a happy podcast. Here I am praising the selfie as this, you know, representation of, of people, of the people, of the people securing the right to capture their own image in a world where that once wasn't possible and cars are just ruining it. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, but, uh... In the idea of the single mom who it's like it's become kind of a form of empowerment where it's like oh you take a photo of yourself you get a little bit of support online you know one or two of your friends are like you know yes queen yes queen whatever it is you know that gets said and you know it's not like I like that it's not like I'm someone who like sees that as you know an ideal form of human expression or American culture but I'm still not going to be one of these people who slams it who sees the need to criticize it. And, you know, in large part, you know, I think that's because, you know, the, the sort of situation that people are in when they start behaving that way, you know, it, it does something to people. It, it you know, it, uh, they, they're looking for just about anything they can 
They're looking to just see themselves, if nothing else. Just the ability to see yourself. Now, sorry, I was walking by a guy and I got really self-conscious because I was on one side of the sidewalk and he didn't seem like he was going to move over. Because my rules of the sidewalk are the same as my rules for the road. Where if you're on a sidewalk, you hug the right side. You know, we're not in England where we drive on the left side of the road. We're in America where we drive on the right side of the road. Therefore, on sidewalks, you walk on the right side of the sidewalk. Can you hear my happy voice? Um, no, but anyway, the idea of the selfie and like demonizing people, and it doesn't have to be single moms, it could literally be anyone, but just, I, I think that single moms have gotten this extra target on their back, and a friend mentioned something interesting in response to that. She said, uh, there's also this criticism of people for taking pictures at all, especially in this day and age where it's much easier to take photos. People didn't used to walk around with cameras all the time. Most people didn't. But now we live in this day and age where not only does everybody walk around with a camera in their pocket, but they also uh, you know, have all these different ways that they can post those photos, not just one place. Uh, you know, people have, most people who have cameras on their phone and take uh, photos have at least two places where they probably actively post photographs. You know, they post on Facebook, they post on Instagram, they probably post on other things too that I don't even know about. That I don't even know about. So we have all these different mediums that we can use to share our photos. Uh, so it's, it's not a surprise that people don't like it. It's not a surprise that people resent it. But I think anytime you find yourself resenting something that people do, it's a good opportunity to think about why. It's a very good opportunity to think about why and not let you, like, you know, for example, if I was being polled about something like that, if the news or whoever, whatever this study was about how this news headline that was like, it turns out people don't like selfies and they see it as, you know, uh, a character flaw, you know, and it turns people away. I would be, I would think very hard before I answered that question. I would think very hard before I filled out that survey or I responded to that poll. And it would be a great opportunity to think about what is it that I truly don't like about it and what's the bigger picture. And the bigger picture to me is that people finally have this way to have a representation of themselves out in the world. It's a way to feel like a noble. And if all a single mom has is the ability to feel some fleeting glimpse of nobility, to feel like a noble for one, just one second and have one or two people click the like button or whatever, you know, if that's all it is, how is that a problem? And in fact, it's probably good. I'm not a fan of, you know, Marxism, communism, socialism. Uh, you know, when it's put into practice, it's always a disaster. And when every single time an idea is put into practice, it ends up horribly. I don't want anything to do with that idea. But that said, I, I like the idea of people seizing the means of production. And it's very much what we've done. It's, it's been the true, you know, miracle of this day and age where people do have the ability to do all of that. They do have the ability to you know, create their own little show, basically. They have the, they're able to do whatever the fuck they want and 
I don't see what the problem is. Uh, would we rather rely on casting couches, you know, these deviant producers? Who the more information comes out, the the, the more we learn about, you know, secret you know, secret, like predatory, basically secret societies of predators, politicians, producers, whoever they are, they, they come from all types. The sort of people who used to get represents representations of themselves made. Those used to be the people who had sole control over whether people could have their own little shows, over whether people could have some sort of representation of themselves, whether they could even express themselves to the public. And so the true miracle of this day and age is that people have seized the means of production. People can have little YouTube shows and they don't have to go through the casting couch that I know of. There's kids who got famous for playing video games, something that somebody would have thought was the most absurd joke 20 years ago. The idea that somebody could just sit in their on their computer playing a video game and and just talking shit and they'd be worth millions and kids would watch them you know millions of people watching them that they'd be worth millions of advertising dollars just for doing that i can't think of a better example of seizing the means of production but people taking selfies of themselves is the same exact thing and it might not bring them money i mean in some cases it does that's the thing. I'm not saying it doesn't. Uh, there are people who actually do manage to make a living of some kind. I don't know exactly how it works. Because uh, if I did, I'd be doing it. If I knew how it works, I'd be doing it. No, but I, I don't know how it works. But there are people who have become models of their own making. I mean, you want to talk about things like the casting couch, you know, in Hollywood. It's like I can't even imagine what it was like in the modeling industry or is like. So the idea that somebody can become a well-known model or have any kind of following at all, just completely on their own, of their own making, just by buying a phone and taking photos of themselves, that's pretty incredible. And again, I can't think of a better example of people seizing the means of production. So I, that's all something to consider. You know, if you are scrolling through your feed, you're being fed content through your feed. Uh, I would say, and, and you see people's faces and you resent that, or you, you think you need to discourage it in some way, I'd reconsider what you're actually discouraging. I'd, I'd consider what sort of power structures you're actually reinforcing when you hate on some lone individual who takes photos of themselves. And as, the, as my friend pointed out as well, you know, moms were typically the people who took photos back in the days of, of regular old cameras. It was often moms taking photos. But a single mom would often not appear in any of the photos. And that's true for me, being raised by a single parent. That Hearing that resonated with me a great deal because I'm like, you know what? My mom took a ton of pictures and fortunately she appears in some of them. But most of them she doesn't because she was the one behind the camera. You know, she was the one taking the photos of us kids. She was the one taking photos of, of parties, of get-togethers. And in those days, you didn't just take photos of yourself with your standalone camera. And when I look at those old photos, I see my mom's touch. 
And those photos are very artful in a interesting way to me. Because uh, I can actually, you know, see her, I can, I can feel her presence, I guess you could say, behind the photos. So to me, it's like she's not missing from the photos, but uh, it's true, like what this, what I heard about how that's an actual phenomenon where in older days, you know, a single mom would be the one taking the photos and typically wouldn't appear. Um, there's a cat here. Um, hey kitty. Here kitty, kitty, kitty. Very vocal, but not very, uh, a little nervous. Doesn't want to be touched right now, but made a little guest appearance. And what better guest appearance than a cat? The literal cat's meow. Meow. See, even the cats are seizing the means of production. You know, the idea of a, a random cat on the street being heard on a podcast was uh, a complete un, you know, impossibility at a certain point in time. Not terribly long ago. So it even uh, filters out, you know, outside of even people, see? But, uh... Uh, just, I, you know, the idea of like, you know, bringing the stars down a little closer is how I've put it before. This new age of the internet, even though it's increased all this resentment of each other, there's so much exposure to each other. And, and naturally, as I often say, familiarity breeds contempt. You know, after the excitement died down of people having more access to each other's thoughts and images and, you know, as people kind of developed, uh, I don't want to say... I don't want to say different personalities, but, you know, it's definitely given us insight into different dimensions of people's personalities than we previously would have known. And it's also made me wonder about people, you know. Uh, for example, last night I was on a walk and uh, there's a guy I see sometimes in my area. He's got a long gray beard and, you know, he's definitely had that beard for decades. There's nothing hip about it. Nothing hip about this guy. He has round circular eyeglasses and he kind of looks similar to the way old men are drawn in anime where old men aren't, you know, they're never drawn in the typical anime style. Old men are drawn, you know, as these completely separate, almost like a separate species from <laughs> other characters in anime. And I think they are often depicted with round glasses, which is probably why I make this association, but this guy's round glasses give him that look. And to be totally unhip and to have a long gray beard and round glasses alone, you know, that's just an immediate uh, signal. Like there's an eccentric, there's a true eccentric. But last night, I think this is the first time I've seen him like this. He had some kind of headset on. <laughs> and, it, you know, I already said he's, he is an obvious eccentric, but, you know, walking around with a headset on. And by that, I mean almost like those earmuff style headphones, you know, like big headphones, but with an antenna sticking out the top. And I know they used to make those where they were, uh, you know, basically radios. It was like headphones with a radio built in. And I'm sure that's what it is. I mean, that's sure what it looks like. It's basically like this pair of earmuff headphones with an antenna. So it's some sort of radio set that goes directly on your ears. So he was walking around like that. And as, as he passed me, I had this thought, like, what does he go home and look at? 
because that's a guy who goes home and looks at stuff. Like, that guy looks stuff up, and conspiracy theories would be too easy. Some people, you can kind of figure out what they do. You can kind of figure out, like, from the way they look and how they come across. Oh, they go home and they watch some something on... T- they, they go home and they watch uh, The Walking Dead and, like, eat, you know, a frozen pizza. And you can just kind of get that vibe from him. But a guy like this, it makes me wonder. I'm like, huh... You know, what does that guy go home and do? And for that matter, what's he listening to on that headset? On that in- antenna, <laughs> on those headphones, the big old antenna sticking out the top. It just makes me wonder, you know, but I, I wonder that about people. Uh, but this day and age, you know, speaking of the different dimensions, you know, somebody might know what that guy looks at. Someone might, that guy might have some kind of account. That guy might take photos. He might take pictures of himself. He sure doesn't look like it, but you never truly know who's going to do it. You never know who's going to take a portrait photo of themselves. Because that's what it is. It's a portrait. A selfie is a portrait. And if we use that word, we'd probably feel entirely different about it. Oh, he's taking a portrait of himself. Oh, yeah, she takes a lot of portraits of herself. And just to go full circle, you know, with these things that people do, these... uh, They have these apps that people use that are... They basically apply a, a, a Photoshop filter to your photo to make it look a certain way. And one of the common ones is they'll make your photo look like a shitty oil painting. They'll make it look like a, a, a poor digital attempt <laughs> at a <laughs> at a oil painting. But people will do that. And so it's just funny how things do become full circle, where there was a point in time where the only way to have... A representation of yourself the only way to have a portrait of yourself was to have an artist paint you and now here we are with the ability to take photos of ourselves and we are turning them into oil portraits we're trying to make them look like the old style paintings so that just tells me that it truly is coming from the same place the fact that people do that the fact that people do try to turn their photos into some kind of you know, poor, almost a parody of an oil painting uh, tells me that it's all coming from the same impulse. And because it's coming from the same impulse, we shouldn't try to challenge it too much. It seems to be just something that people want. I mean, did people come down hard on uh, the nobility for having portraits painted of them? Did people resent them for it? Probably somebody. I'm sure somebody did. But we seem to have a much more... Like, back then, we seemed to accept that some people were simply more privileged and that's the way it was. You know, the class system was structured differently. But it's interesting how we're willing to accept certain behaviors from celebrities or or nobility, for that matter. Uh, We're willing to accept certain behaviors that we don't accept from our peers. And some of the resentment that people do have over their peers today and seeing what they do online, seeing how they communicate with their phones and with their apps and with their, you know, these different accounts they have. You know, some of that resentment is that they... They're thinking, you're not supposed to act like that. That's how celebrities are supposed to act. That's how the king is supposed to act. Who are you to act that way? And I get that. You know, some people do get too big for their britches, or they they do play these little games with their pride and their ego. But it's funny how we're willing to accept that from celebrities. We're willing to accept it for people whose roles place them above us. But yet when our peers have access to very similar tools, you know, the ability to create content, 
the, the ability to uh, express themselves in ways that you can't necessarily express yourself in your day-to-day life. We kind of resent that. You know, it, it's almost like I had this experience growing up where my friend had an older brother and the older brother came home one day and started just kind of in a very fun way, just kind of bullying his little brother around. I think he might have done the letter to grandma where you uh, hold someone down and you pretend that you're typing a letter to grandma on their chest. And it's really irritating and kind of painful, but not that bad. It's not like you're getting beat up or anything. But and as you're doing it, you pretend that you're, you're saying the words that you, you're like, dear grandma. I'm having so much fun at summer camp. Meanwhile, like each with each syllable, you're pounding your fingers into their chest. I think his older brother was doing something like that. And then I was just kind of standing awkwardly off to the side, just kind of laughing. And I didn't join in on the letter to grandma, but I, I said something. I started kind of mocking my friend. And he was putting up with the fact that his brother was doing it because it was just a brotherly thing. But uh, the second that I joined in, in, even though I barely joined in, I just, I might have made one kind of mocking comment, that kind of thing. And the second I did that, though, my buddy turned to me and was just like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you're not supposed to do that. You know, you're not supposed to do that. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I kind of overstepped my bounds. You know, I I realized I, I had, you know, I was like, oh yeah, that's not our relationship. You know, I'm his peer. You know, it's not like I was supposed to, like, help fend off the older brother, but I definitely wasn't supposed to join in in any capacity, even in a small way, even by, like, making a little comment, a little mocking comment. And I did fuck up. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) One of my greatest regrets. But it was interesting to me at the time because I was, like, I was very young and I didn't really have the capacity to think beyond, like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have done that. But looking back, it was because, oh, I was supposed to be a peer to him. I was supposed to be his friend, and his brother has a relationship with him where, yeah, he can kind of roughhouse with him. He can kind of, you know, type a letter to grandma on his chest. I mean, they have the same grandma. You know, that kind of gives you a, <laughs> a uh, that gives you the right to do what you want. If you have the same grandma as somebody, you definitely have more privileges with that person than their friend or their peers, their other peers. But I feel like it's the same thing in this day and age where we resent our peers for having any kind of ego or any kind of pride or even a desire to express themselves sometimes. And uh, it's sort of similar to, you know, that dynamic between the brother and my friend where, you know, we kind of expect that behavior, you know, with people who have a certain role in our lives, like a big brother can behave a certain way toward you and it's acceptable as long as it isn't too malicious. Just in the same way that, you know, a celebrity or a leader of some kind, somebody who is on a pedestal, you put them on on a pedestal, but, you know, everybody has. And so we'll sort of accept certain attitudes and behaviors from those people. But when the people we know start acting that way, it's like, oh, you're getting a little too big for your britches. You're taking a few too many portraits of yourself. You're hiring uh, artists to paint too many portraits of you. It's sort of that attitude. And it makes sense, but I also think we have to look at the bigger picture of it, like I said, where it's actually a good thing that people are able to do this. It's brought the stars down a little closer. 
and it's given people, you know, a much greater means to produce things, and in doing so, a lot more meaning, even if it doesn't seem that way. Even if it doesn't seem like what you consider meaningful, it still is some sense of meaning. And, you know, why shouldn't a single mom be proud to take a photo of herself when she feels she looks good on a given day? You know, she might work a shitty job. She has the thankless task of dealing with these kids all day. You know, why shouldn't she get to feel, you know, some sort of fleeting, you know, feeling of being important for one second? Uh, I, you know, that's just that's how I feel about it. And I very rarely these days feel that I'm absolutely right about anything. But in this case, I feel that I am. Uh, but to get back to that idea of, you know, the celebrity and just the, the different dynamics, one thing that's so strange about the nature of celebrity to me is how, uh, when uh it's like we we live these lives where if if you're not famous if you're not you know notable in some way to the public you continually feel like people don't listen to you or people don't give you the time of day you feel you deserve or even just you know they don't give you even enough attention sometimes to make you feel like a, a human being who's part of reality which is why you do take pictures of yourself of you in reality because sometimes you just want to know you're out there you want to know that those places that you're looking at all day those environments you're in actually contain you as well uh but you know with celebrities it's interesting because you know people spend their their lives in some cases feeling like you know nobody's listening to them blah 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 you know Nobody's listening to their opinions, and it's only once in a, a blue moon that they feel like somebody actually acknowledged them. And then the, the opposite ends up being true when someone gets any kind of fame or, you know, public recognition where suddenly people are listening to everything they say, even the things that they don't want to have heard. And people are constantly taking photos of them out in the world. They have people who literally their jobs are to be unwanted photographers, paparazzi. People are following them around and trying to capture them at their worst possible moment. They basically have someone trying to capture a portrait of them all the time and they don't want it. And then when they say something off the cuff, it, may, it might not even be in an interview or anything, you know, but if they say something in an interview where it could rub any group the wrong way or any person, or it could be construed in any way to cast them in a bad light, people will make a big deal out of it. So it becomes this opposite world where, you know, you spend your life, if you're just a normal person, feeling like you're never being heard to all of a sudden, every little thing, every little squeak you make is heard and people will try to use it against you. So that's how the tables get turned. Uh, and uh, with, uh, with celebrity too, it's not even just like what they say publicly. It's not even making a, a comment that they didn't think all the way through in an interview. You have cases where people are recording each other. You have cases where famous people have been recorded by people they trust, and those recordings have been sold to tabloids, to whoever. So it's not even enough just that you can't it's not even enough that you basically have to self-censor all the time in public. You also have to be very careful of what you say to everybody. 
or how you behave around them. I mean, it's a common story where, you know, if a celebrity or anyone famous goes to a restaurant, you know, the people, the staff will be like, oh, you wouldn't believe who was in this restaurant today. You know, you wouldn't believe who came into the restaurant. And if it's somebody famous, they'll, they might mention if it was a good experience. You know, they might say like so-and-so came in and tipped well. Uh, but, you know, they might just mention that casually. But I can guarantee you if that person came in and was just having a bad day, if they were just having a bad day, everybody's going to learn about it. Everybody's going to hear about how... I don't know who, I don't know what celebrity. Everybody's gonna hear about how Samuel L. Jackson didn't tip well, or he was rude to the staff. Everybody's gonna hear about that. It's just kind of the nature of things. Uh, and that's one of the fortunate things about not being on a pedestal though, is if you're having a bad day and you just don't mesh well with a waiter, they might be upset, they might at worst spit in your food. But for the most part, it's not, it's just gonna stay there. And that person's gonna eventually forget about you. Maybe not, maybe it's someone who just really holds a lot of grudges, you never know. But for the most part, you know, it's gonna be forgettable. Uh, Cause you're largely forgettable. If you're just an everyday average person, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, you're largely forgettable. They're gonna forget the, the nuances of whatever you said. They're gonna let it go. But if you are on a pedestal, people will remember. And so now that we are putting ourselves on pedestals to some degree, people are paying a lot more attention to each other. And not necessarily because they want to. Although the funny thing is it's all voluntary. It's all very voluntary. You know, casting your gaze toward these feeds. Oh, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm casting my gaze toward this feed. It's what people do, it's all very voluntary. And it's basically a subscription service. You subscribe to people, you subscribe to them. Even if you haven't formally clicked the button to subscribe, you still subscribe. And so there's this sense of entitlement that it's like someone is voluntarily looking at something that somebody is doing or saying. Somebody is voluntarily looking at the selfies that some single mom is taking of herself every day before she goes into the the beauty parlor that she works at, you know? Uh, you know, some but somebody's voluntarily looking at that and still choosing to resent it. And that's why I don't feel guilty about calling some level of attention to feeling good. Or when something interesting happens. Or God forbid it's something strange that you can't really put to words but you still feel the need to tell somebody. Like a synchronicity. Like some little star twinkling. Like seeing a fucking shooting star. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. That's why it's okay though to, to sometimes express good things. I think that you can sort of kill the fun or, you know, kill the, the vibe. Sometimes I feel like if you talk about that stuff too much, or sometimes you can definitely come across like you're gloating or a little too proud or glib to use Tom Cruise's word that I'm sure I misuse all the time, but Tom Cruise used it uh, with such conviction that I have to use it. I love Tom Cruise. Uh, that's a good example of people trying to destroy and gaslight a celebrity. You know, Tom Cruise, by all accounts, is a really nice guy. 
people have said there's something kind of vacant about him. He'll look you in the eye and he's really nice, but there's kind of a vacancy behind his eyes, like, you know, uh, supposedly Christian Bale based Patrick Bateman off of him, which is kind of a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> Even if you did base yourself off of Tom Cruise's personality to base a sociopathic, psych psychopathic character off of Tom Cruise, it's kind of an insult to Tom Cruise, right? Uh, but the the funny thing about that, though, is, you know, people really did try to destroy Tom Cruise some years back, and they couldn't, because he's doing well, and like, and it was like, oh, Tom Cruise, he's, he's so happy, he's jumping on things, and he's, he's, you know, just in love, and all this stuff, and sure, there's a, a twisted mess underneath that with Scientology, but nobody really knows what's going on there. Uh, you have to get to a very advanced level in Scientology to know what's going on behind Tom Cruise's eyes. At least I heard that. Uh, but no, but really, it's like... I, was talking, I wasn't talking about Tom Cruise. What was I talking about? Uh, I don't know, just our exposure to other people and how so much of this is voluntary, how we are essentially subscribers... We're basically subscribers to magazines that we hate in so many cases. And at that point, you either have to question, you know, do I truly hate this magazine? Am I off base in my resentment? Like... Entertainment Weekly is showing up in my mailbox every week, and I'm mad about it. So what do you do? You either cancel the subscription, or you learn to appreciate it. You learn to appreciate articles hyping up celebrities and new movies and whatever else Entertainment Weekly talks about. But you have to recognize that you are subscribing to it. And, you know, sometimes Entertainment Weekly is somebody's personal newsletter. Sometimes people, I mean, in the old days, people used to send out Christmas newsletters. I had a girlfriend and her dad every year would send out a newsletter to everybody they knew at Christmas. And it was an update on what the different family members were doing. I'd have to imagine it included a family photo, a portrait, and included an oil portrait of the whole family along with what they were doing you know she's in college and she's doing this and you know our dog is you know and it was really sweet it was really cool it was not egotistical it was not prideful i mean it it shared good news there was good news in that christmas newsletter they weren't sending it out to be a bummer to everybody but they knew that the people they were sending it to basically had a subscription you know uh, they were people they knew people in their life that they cared about and that was sweet and that was cool uh, and I don't see why we can't see things the same way now. Why can't we see all this online shit, all this whatever? And I do feel guilty for talking about the online world so much because there is this idea that you can like unplug. You just got to unplug and stop looking at that stuff. And I don't look at it that much. And it's not me trying to, you know, save my own hide from our anti-digital, you know, cultural overlords, those uh, Luddites who are taking over and they're going to shame us all for using our phones and posting things, you know? It's not like I'm trying to save my own hide. I genuinely don't think I use that stuff as much as other people, but I guess being of the generation who made that stuff popular, you know, someone who was using message boards, who was using these earlier forms of what people now call social media, it's been fascinating to watch the evolution, and it's been interesting to watch everybody start to use it. Uh, you know, I've talked before about how it was so difficult to upload a photo of yourself in 1999. Most people couldn't do it. 
You know, most people didn't know how to do it because you had to have hosting. I mean, first of all, you had to have a digital camera. You had to know how to operate that and put it on your computer. And that was the easy part because you either had to know somebody who had hosting, a website. There weren't nearly as many uh, free hosting sites. And those were a crapshoot anyway. So it was very difficult to even upload a photo just to show people what you looked like. And to go from that to 20 years later where it's all too easy. God forbid you're drunk. You know, God forbid you're drunk with your phone in your hand. You know, you can wake up with all kinds of stuff. All kinds of photos of yourself or anybody for that matter. And uh, so that's interesting. Just that it, it, people forget that or they just simply don't know that it was so damn hard to do that. You know, you could type messages to people on your slow connection, but it was so hard to upload a photo of yourself to the internet. And a lot of times you had to rely on somebody else you knew. You had to have a friend in high places. And by high places, I mean someone who had their own website. Uh, so just that's something to consider as well, where even in the age of digital cameras, the early digital cameras, all you could do is take a low resolution photo of yourself that you might not even be able to put online. So that's how easy things have come, even in the digital age. It's not like once the digital age came about, it's not like once the internet became common, it was instantly easy to do all the stuff we're doing now. It wasn't at all. And this isn't some like uphill both ways thing. I'm not like, oh, you know, when I was a, a 14 year old in 1999, it was so hard to post a photo of myself. You better appreciate it now. Although I, I'd be totally fine if that's how someone wants to interpret what I'm saying. I'd be totally comfortable with that. Uh, but I feel like, you know, as an extension of the photo thing, of the selfie thing, I do think even just expressing any positivity is almost seen the same way these days. And I agree, there's all kinds of hollow positivity. There are all kinds of people posting just cliche platitudes, cliche motivational quotes. Uh, but that all started long before Facebook. Like, if you had friends on Instant Messenger who were girls, like, if, if, if you had girls from your school on your Instant Messenger, uh, if you had every girl in your school on your Instant Messenger but never talked to them, no. <laughs> if you had every girl from your school on your Instant Messenger, no. But if you, if you talked to the girls from your school online and you looked at their little AOL profile, they would always have some quote that was like, you know, to somebody... You might be all the world. I can't even think of what that quote is. Like, you might just feel like a, a somebody in the world, but to, to somebody, you're all the world. You know, there were those, I can't even remember the exact quote. But you would see that kind of shit all the time. You would see those little, you know, motivational quotes, those little kind of cliches, even back then. And as soon as people were able to come up with, like, you know, an AOL Instant Messenger, you could create these little, like, color... You could like you could change the background color and the font color and you would have some girl you knew who would have like a black background with a pink font and everything was in italics and like every other letter was capitalized and it would say something like that and then those girls grew up and then they you know post things like uh you know a picture of a, a sandy beach with a motivational quote over it and that's not for me that doesn't work for me even though i've gotten really into cliches uh, but those aren't for me, that's for them. That makes them feel better. And even if I question like how, how impactful it truly is, 
even if I'm like, well, are, are, is their life really better because they posted a selfie and a motivational quote? That's not for me to decide. And if I'm looking at it, I'm subscribing. Even if I'm not friends with them, even if, you know, because you'll even look at random shit that it's like, people, people are like little voyeurs. People are, are little perverts and voyeurs and they'll even, they'll, they'll take a glimpse into someone's life who they don't even know and judge them. Which is even more voluntary than subscribing. Because with subscribing or like following somebody or all that, there's this weird social expectation. Like sometimes you'll have a coworker who's like, who starts following you and you're like, ah, this isn't good. They're going to find out like what a true freak I am even if I do hold it back. And because this person that I have to see every day now sees this other dimension of my self-expression, God forbid they actually find out about my podcast, you know? But it's like you can't unfriend them. So I understand that in some cases you can't really, you know, it's sort of, you know, a tough situation where like you can't unfriend somebody, but they they get around that by allowing you to like secretly block people or hide things from people. So ultimately at the end of the day, you can't get away from the fact that so much of this shit is voluntary. So much of what we experience, we choose to experience. So much of what we see in other people, we choose to see. And you know, it's gotten to the point where we don't even like to hear anything positive from people. Hearing about good news in someone's life makes someone resentful. Hearing that somebody has a healthy attitude causes them, causes people to question it. You know, if somebody expresses something positive, somebody, you know that somebody's eyes look at that and think, that's not true. Oh, she's saying she's so happy. I know she's not. You know, somebody sees it and thinks that. And you're, you're not going to be able to escape that kind of attitude in the world. Uh, but that is an extension of what I'm talking about, where... People see a selfie and they think, oh, look at this narcissist. And it's like, you know, having instant contempt for somebody and petty judgment is so much more narcissistic than just taking a photo of yourself, than having an oil portrait painted of yourself, judging somebody for that and reacting. And it truly is a reaction, uh, reacting to what somebody does is so much more narcissistic, getting so caught up in your own petty little responses, even if it's completely in your own head, just to react that way and to think that about somebody is so much more narcissistic than actually expressing something, than expressing some representation of yourself or your ideas or, or your face. You know, I consider, you know, what goes on in someone's head to be you know, a much greater indicator of narcissism. And we now live in this world that everybody's, a, you know, everybody's taking Psych 101 and everybody's throwing around the word narcissism without actually understanding what it is. Oh, the president's a narcissist. Oh, Kanye West is a narcissist. Those are probably, you know, I'm not going to argue that, those people, but it's bled out into everything where people are just basically throwing their finger all around looking at people thinking, oh, that person's full of shit, that person's a narcissist, that person, uh, you know, that person's lying, that person's life isn't as good as they want it to be, that person, you know, it's just, people are doing that constantly, and I think why I keep thinking about this digital realm and how this happens in the digital realm is because it is a representation of reality. It might be a slightly different alternate dimension from the one we live in in our day-to-day -day lives, but they feed into each other. 
And what goes on digitally is, it might be a pale imitation, although I wouldn't call it that, but in some way it is an imitation of what goes on in reality, and in some ways it might even be more real. It might even be a better representation of what actually goes on in people's minds than elsewhere, because they're able to say it, and they're not paralyzed by anxiety and fear in person. So we do get a better look into people's subconscious. Because that's what you see on shit like Facebook is, you know, people are, it's an expression of someone's subconscious, even if they don't realize it. I mean, probably if they don't realize it, you know, because your subconscious goes so much deeper than whatever it is you express. But if you know what to look for, you can tell where someone is coming from. You can tell that the single mom who posts selfies and motivational quotes, you can tell that she is struggling. Like if you have half of a mind and you see a single mom who works at Burger King and she posts selfies every morning and the cheesiest motivational quotes, that is somebody who needs those things. That is somebody who is in desperate need of whatever she can hold on to. And that's what more people need. They need to hold on to things. They need to hold on to whatever's available to them. It's humbling. It's humbling when you have to grab hold of whatever's nearest. And God forbid you're ever in a situation where you need the person that you spent all of this time resenting. God forbid you're stuck in the post-apocalypse with the single mom posting the selfies and you have to get saved by her. Because that's entirely possible too. And maybe then her motivational quotes and her selfies are going to mean a lot more to you. I don't know. I still feel happy. <laughs> I still feel happy tonight. Uh, and even if I've been ranting and raving, you know, I'm at my happiest when I, <laughs> I'm, I'm at my happiest when I'm ranting and raving because again, I need to do it. So happy 100th school night episode. It doesn't feel like as big of a deal, or sorry, happy uh, 100th night school episode. Uh, and it doesn't feel like as big of a deal as, you know, if this were every night to school night, number 100. Because I will probably make a big deal out of that. You know, if I eventually get to every night to school night, number 100, that'll probably be a four-hour episode with like 100 songs and 100 samples. No, not really, but I probably will make a big deal out of that. But I'm happy that night school number 100 is just this. Me walking around at night, feeling good, offering some cultural commentary. And if anybody can take anything from this, that's more than I ever set out to do. Children can